0: Can I first just start out by saying how much I love you. I love this church. I love um, you and each one of you. And um, I am just really grateful to be here and to be part of this body. And I appreciate um, all the many encouraging words that you've given me individually, personally, to my family, and, um, and just the prayer support that you give. So thank you. I just, I want you to know how much I love you and, um, and am so blessed to be able to be here in this church and to speak today. And as Andy said, it's new territory for me in terms of preaching. I do a fair amount of speaking, but um, preaching is a little bit um, a little bit different, but i I want to start out it's really, I think a lot of testimony um, that i 'll share today and um, and some things God has really put strongly on my heart. but uh, from a real early age i've had an interest in culture. Um, I didn't grow up in a very culturally diverse area. I grew up in Lamar, Colorado. My little small hometown was not very ethnically diverse at all. Um, But, however, I did grow up in the church, and because of that, I heard um, amazing missionary stories. We had um, missionaries that would come and stay in our home and and share we 'd um, have I remember you know flannel graph stories of all the missionaries of the past, the great missionaries, and I remember very early on loving to hear those stories, the um, miraculous healings, the deliverances the the rescues, you know all of those things, the freedom from bondage and spiritual oppression um, the transformation of lives. It just, it uh, planted some seeds in my heart, uh, and a picture of God's heart for the world were planted early on. As a teen, um, I spent a summer with some missionaries in their home in Bogota, Colombia, and um, I remember at the time feeling a huge surge of growth on those seeds, right? You know, that there's um, this growing desire in me to reach beyond what was familiar, what was comfortable. I felt God really speaking to me in ways that I hadn't experienced before um, and just really showing me um, God's heart again for his people. So I didn't know what that would look like for my life. I felt a strong calling but I had ideas, of course, you know, you do as a young person. I pictured myself um, across the ocean, you know, in remote villages, grass huts, the whole thing. In fact, the, the more difficult the conditions, the better, right? You know, it's like, um, was it idealistic and romanticized? Me, maybe just a little bit. But my heart, in my heart... I felt ready. I felt ready to go anywhere that God would call me. So fast forward to 30 years, and I've spent, I don't know, maybe roughly about 10 weeks doing missions work on foreign soil. Um, not even one night in a grass hut, unfortunately, but... Um, by God's grace and his faithfulness, he has led me farther into unknown territory than I could have ever even dreamed. Um, he's opened doors for me that no man can shut, Revelations 3.8. Um, he's used people in my life uh, to come into my world also and bring the love of Christ to me. Um, And now I have some missionary stories to tell. And I'm hoping some seeds maybe to plant in others. So instead of the villages of Africa, um, God took me to a strange and distant land called Kansas. (laughs) Across the vast plains, across i 70 (laughs) past the two-headed sheep and the giant ball of twine. Um, he had a, a, a purpose for me there to grow my roots deep and to do a transformational work in my life. And that process of discipleship, um, he continues to do to this day. That's why I'm up here, right? I'm still growing, So as Andy mentioned, I've been in education since I graduated college in 1990. Um, I currently work as a consultant to school districts to support teachers and their ability to effectively teach culturally and linguistically diverse populations of students. I taught here in, in Grand Junction for a number of years at what used to be Columbine Elementary. Um, as part of that work, though, I've encountered some really interesting things about culture. It challenges us, really challenges us, even when we are well-meaning and um, really want to to have breakthrough. It's tough. Um, I I encounter teachers often who work many hours and feel, feel burnout and blame and discouragement because of, because of cultural differences that, um, that cause them to feel ineffective. So I want to share a couple of things with you from that realm that I think apply to what God would um, speak to us today. A few things to keep in mind about culture and why it's so challenging. First of all is that uh, we have different cultural identities. So uh, Hannah's going to put a slide up here. So here's a couple of um, just some of the ways that we have cultural um, differences. Culture refers to um, our identification with or belonging to a particular group based on categories, right? We have different things that we identify with, maybe more at different times or stages of our lives. There might be things you see up there that come to the forefront for you at this season in your life. It's complex. It's very multifaceted. It's much more than nationality or ethnicity. We have lots of differences, culturally. We're unique. Every single person in this room has a different cultural identity, even if you grew up in the very same family, right? Because you have differences in your life than your siblings. So I I believe that that's by design, right? That we are all a part of God's big redemption story to the world. We're to be his salt and light, So here's another reason why culture is challenging, besides just our differences, is cultural competence. We all have limits in our cultural competence. Uh, Cultural competence is the ability to understand or to communicate with effectively and interact with people um, from other cultures. So there's a few things to think about with this. One is that we have all of these things that make us unique. Our cultural identity create for us a lens, right? That we view everything through. We view ourselves, we view other people, we view the setting, our occupation. It's all because of our own cultural identity. If I am a female, I'm going to see things a certain way. If I am a certain age group, I'm going to see things a certain way. That's our lens, and it causes us to have perceptions and assumptions. Well, language is another limitation, right? If you've ever had a conversation with any other human being in the world, you know even if you speak the same language that we have difficulty understanding and communicating with one another, right? There's another um, term that researchers call an affective filter, and this is another limit that we have. Um, It describes negative emotions, right? So we sometimes have anxiety, or we're self-conscious, or we're bored, or we're annoyed. Um, We feel alienated. That constitutes an affective filter, and what that is, is a barrier between me and another person. And it can greatly interfere with any input. So we, we can kind of think about this in terms of our comfort zones, right? We talk about that a lot. If you're in your danger zone, that greatly interferes. You have all kinds of feelings going on inside of you that cause you to not receive input from others. Okay, so this affective filter is another limitation we have due to culture. So lastly, one other thing I want to bring up is tribes. So we have tribal roots, right? Don't we? So throughout history on every continent, um, on every continent, tribes have existed in social groups. We saw this quite a bit last week, right? The tribes that were coming um, to support each team, even though we live in a more um, integrated society, we are still often tribal in our nature. So um, rather than feeling alone in our differences, what do we do? We group, right? We group together together. We want camaraderie, a common bond. We want loyalty with people. We want people that get us, that understand where we're coming from. So we group together. Well, and we can function this way in productive ways at times. Um, We have healthy competition, rivalry, things like that, all in fun. But you you know, as I do (laughs) That it can deteriorate very quickly, right? It soon can become an us and them. And we have this all the time. Teachers against parents. Boys against girls. Young against old. All of these things that we've been talking about. It comes from that, some of that tribal root that we have. It can lead to even violence, right? We see this all the time in the news. We feel threatened by other people that are different. And another downside is that we get really, really good. In fact, I would say we're very proficient at this, at justifying ourselves. Okay? So all of this is brokenness in the world. Our differences are... Divide us. They make us feel threatened. So you have the next slide. You'll, we have all of these differences that, um, that bring us, um, separate us. And there's an ocean that divides us. That's an ocean, by the, by the way, not bacon. Bacon does not, does not divide us, usually. That brings us together. <laughs> so so what is the answer how do we ever achieve unity how do we ever have community when we're so different how can we stop hurting each other right this isn't just an a question we have in the church this is a question we have in the world there's TED talks how do we heal America there's researchers that are doing all of this work in schools. They call me in. How do we do this in um, the classroom? It's an age-old dilemma, and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. In fact, a lot of times it feels worse, right? So um, the problem, there's media campaigns. There's these research. We put our, our best minds to it. We bring all you know the intelligence and everything that we can even even the humor and the wit to try to to figure it out and be lighthearted there's so many messages that um, that I've heard even just in my lifetime that that come from the world like i think i don't know if you saw it but the one of the most recent ones during the commercials was give the world a snickers did everyone see that one so that's That's an option. We could try that. (laughs) Um, But there's other ones, you know. There was give the world a coke and a smile, Um, give peace a chance. Here's just a few that I remember. Um, I know. How about let's get all the popular pop artists together and sing We Are the World, We Are the People. Right? How about let's throw kindness like confetti. Let's be nicer. Um, If you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. Let's reach across the aisle. Let's walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Let's be the change that we want to see in the world. We are more alike than we're different, right? Won't you be my neighbor? All of these things. It's the best we have to offer. These are great sentiments, really. I mean, they're nice. They're well-meaning. But every time, every decade, every century, they fall short time and time again. I don't usually like to be the Debbie Downer <laughs> in the room. I like to be the positive one. But, but it's true. It, they, don't, they don't last, right? Right? And we know this. As Andy's mentioned several times in this series, we often try inadvertently to, to bring from the culture into the church. So let's, let's just try these things in the church. So, everything that the world says to do, let's do it more, let's do it better, let's throw more kindness like confetti, right? And that's kind of our solution. But here's, here's the truth of it, is that we do this very same thing. I find, I might find some common ground with someone else and form a small group. Let's make a small group. We, you know, we're the same age or we're in the same stage of life or um, maybe we have a same, the same interest about studying something in the Bible. But sooner or later, those cultural boundaries start to appear, right? Whatever they are. Soon, that person's rubbing me the wrong way. You know, that person is so critical. She really embarrassed me. I feel so dumb compared to everyone else. I don't think I want to go anymore, right? Isn't this what happens constantly? It's, it's a brokenness problem that we cannot fix. We try To negotiate, to compromise, we put our best minds to the task. But when we don't see it make any difference, what do we do? We go back to our corner and we feel beaten up and weary. And pretending that we're all the same does us no good either. Andy and I went to Kansas City to plant a church This was not a foreign country, but it was definitely a foreign territory for me. It was strange and unknown to me, and I did what I knew to do, but I rarely felt sure of myself. My approach, sadly, was just to be a Christian version of what the same things that the world was saying. We can try harder. We can be smarter. We can act better. We're Christians, right? We ought to be able to do that. But in my haste to go, I had forgotten that I still needed to grow. So this is the big one for me. I was drawing on my solid upbringing, my resources, my... Her parents that modeled for me these great things, my education, my church experience, my relational skills. You know, I'm a pretty nice person. I'm pretty easy to get, a, get along with, so just do what I do, right? So here's what I do. is I go home, and I deal with all my stuff there, by myself, and I try to get myself together, and then I come here, and I am nice to everyone. So why don't you guys do that too, right? This was my approach. So (laughs) the problem is that um, all of those things, I greatly value my upbringing and my modeling, my education, Bible college, my My growing up in the church, I I appreciate and value the ability to have good relational skills and all of that, but it can never replace discipleship. It cannot. I began to feel invisible oceans between myself and other people. I felt stuck. I tried to produce fruit of God's Spirit, and I tried to cross those oceans that I perceived, but I felt soon like I would drown, right? So, I would move back to my shore. People are not easy. They are real, and they are broken. They are complicated, and they need love that transforms. I'm going to Say it again in um, a personal, I am not easy. <laughs> I am broken, I am complicated, and I need love that transforms, and so do you. Um, there are groups that challenge us more than others, right? We all have those differences. one group um, that challenges, challenged me to the core were people in so much pain from whatever abuses or things that happened in their lives that they would say hurtful and critical and um, it felt like venom, right? Venom <laughs> shooting out. That, I wanted to protect myself from that. I didn't know how to reach that. I couldn't relate to that pain that was there. I was convinced that I was loving people. I treated people well. I was nice. I was kind. I, I didn't say what I thought most of the time. <laughs> um, I listened. I served people. What else do they want from me? That was my... My attitude, Um, I'm doing the best that I can. Well, here's where the jungles of Kansas got really scary and treacherous, is that um, when God revealed to me the condition of my own heart, the lack of Christ's love for his people there, it shocked me. It frightened me and it brought me to my knees i had gone as far as i could go in my own strength my lack love leadership was not producing life it was impotent in my own wisdom and you know the scariest part about it was that i was okay with that for a really long time because i told myself i've tried my best some people are just too difficult, right? But God was not okay with that. In his great mercy, he met me there on my shore in Kansas, my line in the sand that said, I, I won't go any further. And he said to me, now you're ready to go into all the world, not in your love, but in mine. So bringing us to the end of us is not to shame us, and it's not to punish us, it's to redeem us and to bring glory to the Father. God had a plan for me in Kansas so that I could bring the love of Christ across cultural boundaries, to grow me deep there. Here's what he said to his disciples as they sat around the Passover table the night before he died. And he says it to us, John thirteen thirty three through 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another." To be a disciple of Christ is not just to do what the world does only better with a Christian title. It's to be changed, miraculously changed, transformed by God's Spirit, by the living God into a person with a new heart of love. So why is this one another love so transformative? the answer comes when we stop and consider why Jesus calls this commandment new. So Leviticus nineteen eighteen says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the disciples, this wouldn't have sounded new to them, to love your neighbor. The law was given, to a set of standard to set a standard of holiness and at the time to show that we could never meet that standard on our own. That's why Jesus had to come, right? To fulfill the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf and then to take the punishment for us violating that law also on our behalf. So what is new about this command? Well, What appears to be new is the way we are to love, as Jesus has loved us. Verse 34, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Never before this time had the Son of God come into the world and laid down his life for his people. That had not happened up to this point. This kind of sacrifice had never happened. This was the new. Why is it that when disciples love each other sacrificially as Jesus did, that there is such powerful evidence that they are growing deep and are true disciples of Jesus? Well, let's look at two more scriptures. First, John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John fifteen 8 and 9, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Because it shows an abiding relationship with Christ. That's why it shows that we're his disciples. He is the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him, we can bear fruit and prove to be his disciples, not by imitating fruit, but by connecting to the vine. We can love as he loved. Because we love with his love, not with our own. I finally came to the end of my shore. But it was God's plan all along for me to do that. God brought me farther than I could go on my own so that I would not continue to go on my own. It's, it's a really humbling thing to see your real heart. The lack of love that is there when push comes to shove can be very disappointing. But that's when God gets the glory because you let his love begin to flow through you. Human love always has a limit. I can never go beyond my limit apart from abiding in Christ. People are transformed by Christ's love, not Jerry's love. I can only bring his love to others when I'm abiding in him. My love will only take me to my shore. It's Christ's love that takes me across the oceans that divide us. Will you do something with me? Um, Can you look in your mind out across whatever ocean that divides you and someone else? Maybe it's a parent, a roommate, a sibling, maybe someone in your small group, or a parent on your child's team, child's teacher. I could go on and on. Someone that... um, You trusted but betrayed you, a person that disrespected you in front of others, a person that overlooked you or rejected you. There are differences that are real, that divide us, and the tendency to retreat is very strong. What cultural boundaries is God calling you to cross, to reach someone with his love? These real oceans stop us in our tracks. Oceans of hurt, oceans of mistrust, oceans of anger or fear or rejection. But here's the good news, that God is inviting you to grow deep in him. He's inviting you to let him do the work of discipleship in you. He wants to spend time with you, to be with you, to speak to you, to reveal things to you. And he wants you to be able to hear him and respond to him in obedience. His love will go the distance every single time. He's calling us to go to every corner of the earth, but he's going to start with the borders that are right in front of you. He invites us to stand on our shore and face our limits, right? Face the ocean that divides us and then to trust him, to take us beyond that in his power, in his strength, in his might. We can go beyond ourselves. We can go beyond our cultural boundaries, our cultural limits, our tribes, our comfort zones, all of those things beyond your shore to take his love and life to others. This is how people will know, all people will know that we are his disciples. Andy's going to come up and wrap us up um, with our response time.
1: So, in our response, of course... as Jerry encouraged you to be thinking, is there somebody? Is there a group of people? Is there, is there a limit that you've reached? And it usually sounds something like this: "I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with him. I'm done with her. I'm done with that group." Um, it can express itself in disgust, in disappointment. It can express itself in so many ways. But essentially, what it leaves us is at this point of, as Jerry talked about, the edge of our shore that says, "I will go." no farther with this person. Uh, I have nothing left for them." That's the point. <laughs> and such a great encouragement to be able to say, that's the point where we say, I am at my limit. I recognize that I'm having trouble going past here. And what we would hear in our own voice is, go ahead and pull back. You went far enough. You tried your best. They just aren't that lovable. They just aren't a good connection for you. You don't have a lot in common. Whatever it might be, the encouragement that we often hear is to pull back. You did your best. And what God encourages us to do, as Jerry talked about, stand on the edge of our shore and say, Lord, how does this ocean get bridged? How do I make it the rest of the way so that this person can experience the love of Christ? Now, we know that we can't do for somebody else on the other side, but we are responsible for our response. We can't make somebody receive the love of Christ, but we can and we should be people who say, I can't help you receive it, but I sure can bring it all the way to you, and I can go as far as God will take me instead of being able to give ourselves permission to dismiss people. We don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that person, and I don't believe any of us do. We want to be people who say, I want to be all the person that Christ wants me to be. I want to go deeper with Jesus so that I can love those, even the ones who I've reached my limit with. Would you join me in standing? And as you do, we like to save a little bit of time at the end of service for just a response to say, we, we truly believe that the Holy Spirit has been at work and just taking what Jerry has prepared and he's been sowing it into your heart and my heart as we've been listening. And, and so as names have come to mind or a person or a group of people have come to mind would you just take that posture of just saying, Lord, I'm on the edge of my shore. <laughs> what next? I'm ready to receive from you. So we can do that during worship time. We can sing and, and just surrender ourselves to God. Um, we have communion up at the front if you want to take the bread and, and dip it in the juice that's there. And and that's your identification with Christ. Some of you, that's a, an appropriate response this morning is saying, Lord, I identify with you in your forgiveness to me and your love for me, and so now I receive communion and identifying that I also need to go to the cross in my own life and, and just give up those things that I've held on to, those self-protections. And so, you may want to receive communion this morning, and, and that's available for you up, up near the platform here. You You may just be at this point where All you can do is is just say, Lord, I'm willing, and you need somebody else to pray with you for the next step. And so we have a a ministry team, a prayer team at the back of the the sanctuary here, and they would love to pray with you. They would love to, what you can't get out of your mouth right now, they would just love to pray with you and to help that come to you and just discern God's will in your life and so that you can move forward uh, to, to be a person who loves as Christ loves. And then lastly, you may be one who you're here this morning, and the love of Christ is just not something you've experienced. You've never said, Yes, Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you and experience both your love and loving others in the way that you do. And today is the perfect day for you to start that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the day for you to say, Lord, I've never experienced that kind of love. People have always told me I'm unlovable or they've reached the end with me, but Lord, I'm ready to receive from you all that you have. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ, surrender your life to Christ this morning, uh, again, our ministry team would love to pray with you. In fact, we have a resource called Following Jesus. Uh, It's just a a guide to help you in your first steps in your devotion and your discipleship with Jesus. Uh, We want to give that to you. uh, No cost. You just go back there and say, I want to start with Jesus. Or maybe rededicating your life or recommitting your steps to Christ. Uh, because you've received, you've been on the backside of that type of love that just feels so limited, and people have cut you off in the church. And you say, "I, I just kind of gave up on the church because they didn't seem like they loved like Jesus loved." But today, you're saying, "I want to recommit my life to Christ and experience that type of love again." Uh, please go back to our prayer room. They'd love just to to agree with you to start that relationship. So let's let's commit ourselves for this response time now, Lord. Uh, such such a powerful word to us, God. To we we reach the end of our. I reach the end of myself. Um, my limits, Lord. Our limits they show up so quickly, and we can justify ourselves. We often do of our reasons for cutting people off or being being unloving towards others because we we can see the ways that they deserve to be cut off or they aren't lovable. Lord, we give so many different reasons, but, but thank you, God, that you did not act that way towards us. Thank you, Jesus, that you never met a person that you didn't love or you weren't capable of loving. Thank you, Lord, that there wasn't a tribe or a group or an individual that you said, they're just too unlovable, the cross isn't for them. No, Lord, no. Every person that you've ever encountered, every person that you've met with You had love that was sufficient for them to experience relationship with you. And that's what you're asking us to do, Lord, is to love with that love, not our own. And so take us there this morning in our response, God. Help get us over that ocean, past our own lines, where we can meet people with the true love that you've given to us. We give you this response time now, Lord. We take the next step because you invite us to. Amen.